Hey, what's up, world? Welcome to Snack Size, the podcast that will drag you into your most fabulous life. I'm your host, Lala Luscious, also known as the Snack of the Twin Cities. I decided for myself that I can be whatever I want to be, so I decided to be a drag queen. And if I can live my dreams, you can too. The time has come to believe in yourself enough to turn your ideas into more than mere words. And no matter what you are doing in life or where you want to go, I want to help you get there fabulously. Our double snack episode starts now. Uh, hey snacks, catch the beat, uh, episode five of Snack Size. Beauty, body, face, fears. Beauty, body, face, fears. Beauty, body, face, fears. Beauty, body, face, fears. You know you want Yes, Snacks, that is the single from our guest today for our very special Double Snack episode of Snack Size. Our guest today needs no introduction. You watched her on RuPaul's Drag Race Season 7 as she, in her words, worked that puss all over the main stage. That's right, we have Jaden Dior Fierce here at Snack Size Podcast today, and she's going to share a little bit about her life and how she has found happiness and success. As you know, we are all about social distancing here, so today we are going to use that good old phone a friend. Let's give Jaden a call. Hi, Jaden. Welcome to Snack Size. Hello. I'm so excited to join you this week. We are so excited to have you here. I am a very longtime fan of Jaden's, which I will talk about in just a minute. But first, I want to ask you, how are you and how are you holding up during everything? What's going on in your world? Give us a little update. So one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I am an introvert and an extrovert at the same time. So I actually am doing pretty well with this Corona thing because I do have times where I literally block myself out from social media, the internet, and I do kind of have time to myself. So in a way, this worked for me because, you know, I'm already used to blocking things out and just focusing on self-care, taking care of myself, making sure that I am good because being a drag queen can be a very, very draining thing. What do you do for self-care? I spend a lot of time just listening to music. Music is pretty much my drug. I don't smoke. I don't drink. So for me, my distraction has always been music. And, you know, any emotion that I'm feeling, I listen to that music for the most part. It kind of recharge my batteries, I guess you could say. It's so important to recharge your batteries, especially for someone like you, who I know travels a lot and does a lot of gigs and even if you're not doing the gigs, you're doing things like recording a podcast with me. So I get it. You have to you have to recharge those batteries. It's so important. One thing that you have always done, even before Drag Race, is offer tips and tutorials on how to do drag. And you cover a variety of different topics, like from makeup to how to brand yourself to even how to audition for Drag Race. Actually, I don't know if you remember this, and I think it was like seven years ago, but, but way before you were on the show, I was was in my small little hometown and I am sure that you remember coming up as a queen if you didn't have access to clubs there was not the YouTube and the tutorials that there are now right right so I had googled plus size drag queen and you were performing at play in Nashville and I was just like that is what I want to do so I messaged you 
I was like, I need help with costuming. Do you have any suggestions? And you told me to go buy a sewing machine. And on the previous episode of this podcast, I just talked about how I learned how to sew and the importance of doing that is to invest in myself. So that actually was because of you. So thank you for always offering advice. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think new drag queens in this day, time, and age, they have such an advantage. Obviously, I was doing drag before I even saw or knew about draggers. During that time, either you had a drag mother or you had to learn on your own. And um, you didn't have as many influencers and YouTubers. Like There wasn't a such thing at the time. So I say soak up all your resources that you can, especially nowadays, because there's no excuse for you not to learn anything. You got YouTube.com, aka my drag mother. (laughs) (laughs) So you are obviously a very successful person. If you had a piece of advice for people wanting to be successful at whatever they do, what would that be? I would say it's, it's, it's all about focus. It's all about focusing on whatever you want to do and having a passion. But also the biggest thing that I would say is take action. Nothing's just going to come to you. And don't be envious of other people. You see other people and you want it. You have to pick yourself up and work for it. Before I did drag, how I even got into the industry is I am a lighting designer. Wow. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. I have my own small stage lighting business called CDW Innovative. I program and set up professional stage lighting. and, And what I do is I go out and I put up the lights and I do parties and weddings and concerts, like the big lights that move around and change colors. That's my expertise. And that's what I was doing. And ever since I was a little kid, my brother, they didn't understand why I was just so hardcore into lighting. And I didn't know at that time that this was going to be a business. And now, you know, it brings income, you know, just by doing what I love to do. And that's lighting. So that would be my advice. You can't sit and wait for someone to make something happen for you. You briefly talked about negativity, and I know that you've had a lot in your life, you know, before the show Mm -hmm. and, you know, after the show aired. How do you deal with that? And how do you amp yourself up to keep going and be so successful as you are? It's all about who you surround yourself around. You have to surround yourself around positive people and people who are going to lift you up. If you surround yourself around overdramatic people, people who are catty, it becomes too much. And honestly, you can't surround yourself around that because if you surround yourself around that, you will be in drama. You will be put in negativity. Like, for instance, Drag Race was an experience I wasn't truly ready for with when it comes to negativity. I'm a very nice person. You, you are know? very nice. Yeah, you're lovely. Yeah. And then, you know, I get on a TV show and then I get a lot of hatred and it used to depress me because I was like, why me? But I had to realize, you know what, let me focus on my happiness because I am so happy and I'm so blessed to be in the position that I am in right now. So I'm not going to let other people's negativity bother me or bring me down. That actually leads me into something you had said. I watched an interview, uh, your Hey Queen. I love Hey Queen. You said, I have to live my life for the future. Sitting and thinking about your past so much is not going to get you very far. It's all about progress. So in light of everything which you said, what did you do to continue to progress yourself, I guess, in your art? It's one word, hustling. I have been working my butt off, even though sometimes it's not good enough. You know, I was taking money out of my own pocket, flying my own self to LA and doing, I mean, show after show after show, back to back to back, trying to keep my face in the spotlight. The more people see you, the more they'll remember you. I don't want to be 
that queen a few years down the road and season 15 just came out. They were like, hold on, which one is Jaden? Even if I'm not the most popular one. And like, for instance, I don't get paid the money that a lot of the other drag race girls get. For me, it's different. You know, I still make all my costumes. Would I like to have designers? Absolutely. In the future, that's what I'm looking forward to is having professional designers to do my own costumes and style me some hair. But in the meantime, if I can't afford it, I'm going to say, you know what? No, I'm going to do this costume myself because I can make it bigger and better. And well, I won't say better because sometimes my my designs aren't better, but I can at least <laughs> do bigger for less money. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. A couple things that I hear you saying is one, that you invested in your talent, which I think is amazing. And that's one thing I've always noticed about you is that you are really hands on in your process. But the other thing I'm hearing and that I really want the listeners to pick up on is that you are not letting your circumstances define what you're going to do. My favorite part about making my own garments is when I come around the corner or out of the curtain, when the spotlight first hits and the audience sees you for the very first time and they see your outfit and you get that initial crowd reaction, that's what makes it worthwhile. It's great that you say that because I actually tell a lot of young queens that is what keeps me so entranced with drag. It's that moment just right when the music's starting and it's getting going. Mm-hmm. It's just so magical. So I'm really glad that you highlighted that because I hope that people, whatever they do, they will know that they are on their path and doing the right thing if they have a magical moment like that. So on the show, you had your coming out to your family. Can you talk about what their support meant to you? And is that support still around today and how that fulfills you in life today? So a little background is I'm very, very, very close to my family. My dad and my mom is separated, but my dad is overly supportive of me as of now. You know, my mom... She is the one I was most worried about, to be honest. She's very religious. And, you know, and then I have three older brothers. I thought my brothers actually would, you know, they were going to be the ones who didn't like me or like wouldn't talk to me. Well, after it aired, my mom was the one that was, you know, more kind of like angry and upset. And my brothers were very, very excited. And the thing that shocked me more than anything is my oldest brother, Brian, he was like, he called me. He was like, hey, where are you? And I was like, oh, I'm out of town. They were just like, oh, well, oh, I was going to see if you'd come over for the viewing party. And I said, viewing party? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, what are you watching, football? Like, and he was like, no. It was like, no, because literally, like, that's the only time we get together as a family and watch something is football. He was like, no, to watch you, like, on TV. And I was like, what? You know, and it's crazy to me that, like, they even tuned in to watch. It was crazy. My family, they asked me, why are you acting like that on TV? And I said, well, what do you mean? They were like, you have more of a list. You are moving your hands. You're acting feminine on TV. Why are you acting like that? That's not you. And the thing I had to tell them was, (laughs) well, y'all have known me for X amount of years, but y'all actually truly don't know that that's always been me. It's just that when I was around my family, I was more quiet. I didn't use my hands. I watched the way I talked, the things that I said, and that's been happening literally my entire life. I have always connected with that part of your story, but one thing that I didn't know that I think is super, at least important to me, is that 
I don't want to say that it's just in Black families, because I feel like every family, you have to deal with a coming out story. But in Black families, I've always felt a need that if you were gay or you were feminine, you had to police your body around them. Like how you act and how you move your hands. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't ever feel 100% myself until I was able to have that moment where I was able to say, you know, this is who I am. And then I just felt like, you know, this whole other person came out that is super feminine and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I knew as a child that that wasn't the right thing to do. And it's like Mm -hmm. ingrained in you. This is the way a man acts. And one of the best things about being a drag queen is that it allowed me to discover myself without any rules. I mean, we do have rules in the drag community, but in terms of like gender and, you know, how to act, those rules don't really exist for us. Let's talk about what is next for you. Do you have any exciting projects coming up? Um, You know, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And the city is pretty monopolized as far as work for Black queens. You know, it's just harder to work as a Black queen here. It's, it, you have to work 10 times as hard. A lot of Black queens are very talented, but they've been sitting at home. Can we talk about that? I find myself here in Minneapolis in the same struggle where the game is different for queens of color. What are your thoughts and your experience on why that is? Oh my gosh, I could talk about this for an hour and and, and a half. So I'm gonna try. Oh, I can too, girl. I can too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like summarize it and hit key points. But like, I, I noticed that even every single drag race season that comes out, if you notice, it seems like the queens of color, in order for them to be a favorite or succeed, they have to, I mean, jump in and out of hoops, or they have to be a certain type of black queen you know one thing that angered me my season when it comes to it is we were in untucked and i was upset at violet chotsky some of it they didn't show but violet had a major attitude so when i went to untucked i like to speak to people in a calm manner you know i'm not a hothead or anything like that so when i spoke to her you know i was just like i was angry and you know i was just like like i'm gonna talk to her though as an adult so I'm choosing my words so I don't come off because I don't want to become or be viewed as an angry black girl because I'm not. So I'm sitting here and I'm just talking to her and I'm and I was like, hey, Violet, like, I honestly felt like you did blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, she kind of commented back and she was just kind of like nonchalant and blew it off. So I didn't think anything big of it. But some people were commenting online saying, ooh, Jaden is so scared of her. She's so scared. Ooh, it's a lose-lose situation because if I would have popped off on her, then y'all would have become the angry black girl. You become the angry black girl. Yes. But if I speak to her calmly and I, and I try to say, you know what? Let me not get any emotions and let me try to have a calm, adult, mature conversation. Then it becomes of, oh, well, she's so scared. Ooh. But it also is like, when a non-black girl, a lot of times when they get an attitude, people are like, yes, slave. Ooh, she told her, yes, ma'am. And then when a black girl does it, it's more like, oh, oh my God, really, girl? Oh, she's so angry. You know, it's very frustrating. Have you gotten the now you're difficult to work with? Um, Well, not me personally, but I do see that that is a thing that happens. And I've seen many other girls as well where they Oh, they're difficult to work with. Oh, they're difficult to work with. Some of them are, but there are a lot of girls who are not difficult to work with. It's just that y'all have a very low tolerance for certain girls, if that makes sense. If they're, if they're of color. If they're yeah. of color. 
Mm-hmm. If they're a color, it's very frustrating. And it's something even off the show. It's what I deal with. That's why I don't work at play anymore. When I was on cast there, I never felt appreciated, not by the crowd, not by the bartenders, not by the staff, but by two people in management. It was like, I could never be enough. No matter what I did, no matter how long I worked there since 2008, I was never enough. And that's the way I felt. Do you remember a specific moment where you said, I've had enough and I'm going to find better for myself? Oh, absolutely. It actually happened after Drag Race and it was actually my last night of being there. If I am having a disagreement with the other person, I like to step in that other person's shoes and say, let me see their side as well. And see if I can kind of get my emotions on on a level to where I can kind of understand. And you know what? When I was working there, I found myself doing that all the time. And it got to a point where my final day of working, you know, I told the owner. And I said, you know what? Enough is enough. In Nashville, there's only one gay club here. You don't have other options. It's like, well, if you're not working here, you're not working anywhere else. And it goes back to the thing where I'm excited about in the future me, my drag daughter, and my drag sister, we are pretty much a girl group. We call ourselves The Misfits. We have a website, which is themisfitsdrag.com. And what we're doing is we're showing Nashville that we could be successful. We started our own brunch show over now over a year ago. And we had a full year of sold-out brunches. I mean, it's been amazing. Yes. The money, um, when we went in to negotiate, I sat down with the owners of uh, this place called Discon Cider, which is a cidery. It is a, um all-inclusive place. They have, like, food and cider, but they wanted a drag brunch there. And we stepped in, and we've been selling out those brunches every single month for the past year. Everything has been so amazing and so great and the fact of the matter is is we've come full circle with this whole thing like we call ourselves misfits because we didn't fit in in the city quote unquote but not because of the people not because of the crowd because the crowd has always loved us it's only because of people in management at that one place but now that we're gone Look at what we're doing. What I love about that story is that you did not wait for an opportunity to come to you. You know, you knocked once on the door and then beat it down and made it happen. And I think that when it talks about achieving your goals, being successful in life, sometimes that is what it takes. You have to create Mm -hmm. your own opportunities, forge your own path, and don't be scared to do it. Because I'm sure it was probably frightening, you know, losing the gig that you always knew and then go out and do your own thing. But with all the success, it was definitely the right choice. So do not be afraid to go out there and make it happen for yourself. I'll be honest. We were all scared. We were, I mean, we were so nervous. We already knew that it was going to be a good, uh, a good amount of people. We had a line circling around the building. And then the spotlight came on and I came out. And when I tell you, it was the most exhilarating thing. And then the following month, it was like, oh, I hope it's just as good as the last month. And it just proved time and time again. Keep working for it. Keep working hard for what you want to do. It's not going to be easy, but it's so worth it in the end. You, But you have to realize you have to become a businesswoman or businessman. A businesswoman, honey. Yes. I want to ask you one more question. What advice would you have as who you are now to your younger self? Just be yourself more. Like, I, I feel like I lost out on so many years of my life, you know, pretending to be someone who I wasn't. Because I do wish, if I could take one thing back, I wish that I was out before I even got on track. But who knows? I needed a storyline. So uh, who knows? (laughs) They might not even pick me if I didn't have that. So thanks, RuPaul. (laughs) And what 
a beautiful, beautiful storyline it is. Um, thank you so much for sharing. If you want more Jaden, you can follow her at Jaden Fierce on Instagram. Yes. And also, um, if you, you guys can follow our girl group, the Misfits Drag. We also have a podcast coming up there as well. So yeah, check out the misfitsdrag.com. And I'm really excited about that. So if you guys could follow that, that would be a huge blessing. I definitely am going to follow. And when Miss Rona decides to give us a break, honey, I'm going to come check out the show for sure. I cannot wait to see it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jaden, for coming to Snack Size. And I hope you stay safe and healthy. And thank you, Snacks, for listening. We will see you all next time. See you. Bye. Hey, Snack. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, you can get every episode of Snack Size on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or feedback, don't be afraid to say hello at lala at snacksizepodcast.com. And if you want to support my podcast, head on over to paypal.me forward slash snack size podcast. Until next time, go be fabulous.